Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Good morning. Good morning to everyone online. Good morning to everyone in person. This is week two of our kickoff series. Last week, Pastor Jessica and I kind of built our teaching around this statement, we got to do church differently. And it had nothing to do with style or methodologies or anything. It had to do with depth and substance. We said this, we need to be a church that's both deep and wide. Deep in the kingdom of Jesus, wide in the mission of Jesus. I don't know if you remember last week, I I said this statement, I said, we don't need more Canadian churches flexing, we need more Canadian churches serving in our society and culture. Well, I'm going to make it really personal today. I'm going to say this, I think we don't need more Christians flexing online, flexing We need more Christians rolling up their sleeves, serving. So what do I mean by that? And how do I come to that conclusion? Listen, the creation story is fascinating. You go back into the book of Genesis, and God creates everything, and the narrator says this. After everything he creates, he'll say, creates one thing, he'll say, and it was good. Can you say that with me together out loud? It was good. One more time. It was good. And why wouldn't it be? He's perfect. God is perfect. Everything he creates must be? Well, if not perfect, at least good, right? Well, not so quick. One chapter later, the narrator says, it's not good. What's the first thing in human history that's not good? The very first thing in human history that gets that label, it's not good. It's a human without a relationship. A human without a relationship is not good. In fact, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God says these words, It is not good for Adam to be alone. For some of us, that word alone or even loneliness, it feels a little foreboding because maybe that's how you feel today. I mean, we can be in a room filled with people. You can be digitally online with hundreds of other people and feel all alone, all alone. You can feel all alone in the middle of that. But that's the human condition. It's not good for humans to be alone because in Christianity, relationship and love is first. Relationship and love is first. Now, that might disturb some of us because some of us might be saying, well, what about morality? What about holiness? Absolutely. But if it doesn't flow from love or relationship, it's an unbearable burden that will crush you. So Shelly and I have been married uh, 29 years this year, this last year. Yeah, yeah. I know, guys, I've put up with a lot. You know, when we first got married and we moved in together, I realized that uh, she had some unwritten commands that, that about running a home that I didn't know were commands. Like, you know, apparently she had this novel idea of some sort of receptacle that was in the bedroom that at the end of the day you would put your, your clothes into this thing in the corner. I preferred the floor. 
Well, for obvious reasons, because why would you want to get your floor dirty? You could put a layer of clothing over it and it would be clean. You'd never have to clean it. I was very efficient in the way I ran things. But, you know, I, I began to change. Now, why did I change? Because I loved her. Love's the ultimate motivator of service. Love is what fashions the way we serve and how we serve. So Adam is kind of created, but it's not good for him to be alone. So God creates someone called? Oh, some of you know it. Eve. Now Eve is, when he sees Eve for the first time, he breaks into the first passage of poetry. These are a little small, not because I don't wear them all the time. <laughs> Notice that? Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, Eve is the first, second human. And he says the first poetic lines in Scripture where he says, that when he sees Eve for the first time, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And what that literally means is, oh man, or oh wow, I've just seen someone just like me. Not exactly like. She's not the mirror image of him. But you know, we, we share 20,000 uh, chrom chrom uh, chromosomes or, or, or uh, genes exactly the same between men and women. There's one chromosome difference that differentiates us. He's saying, I see another like me, another human that I can be in relationship with. And this is the big part. This is the, the establishment of trying to fix what is not good to be alone with. So God creates Adam and God creates Eve. And he puts them together, and they're in this happy relationship. And in fact, in Scripture, it says things like this, that, that they were naked and unashamed, that there was nothing between them. But then sin entered the world. This toxin kind of enters the world, and this toxin begins to distort the relationship that Adam and Eve had. In fact, it began to distort all relationships. All of a sudden, it says in the Bible that they were hiding from the other that they were naked and ashamed, that they had to fashion clothing in order to cover themselves. And ever since then, you and I, we've been running from relationships, haven't we? We've been running from what that means to be in relationship one with the other and the intimacy that goes with it because relationships are hard work. Relationships are difficult. Listen, let me ask this. How many have ever had any drama in your life? Put up your hand. I just want you to see the people who didn't put their hand up because we need to find them right after. They're doing something right. Every one of those dramatic moments in your life is attached to a relationship, isn't it? Work colleague, a boss, a child, a husband, a spouse, a parent. It's always attached to a person. Drama comes with it. That's why people are so easily disappointed when it comes to relationships, aren't they? People are very easily disappointed. They get hurt. People are always getting upset. It kind of comes with the territory. Relationships, they're, they're, they're nightmares at times. They're not easy. And yet, you and I have been made for, with, for them. If we pull back from a relationship, we become less human. But why? Because you've been made in the image of God, and at the core of who God is, is relationship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You have been designed to be known. You've been designed to be in relationship one with the other. You, with a, a human without a relationship? Man, that's, that's not good. That's not good. So how do you detangle yourself from all the problems that you experience in relationships? How do you get these gloves off? 
I'm just going to coolly keep trying to pull at these things. How, how, how do you detangle yourself from the drama that normally install, surrounds relationships? Well, there's a secret relationship. This is a, this is a cure-all for any relationship in life. This is a cure-all for any relationship in life. And it's hidden in plain sight in John chapter 13. This is the last week of Jesus' ministry on the planet. He's about to leave. And here's what we read in John chapter 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew, he knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, to finality, to infinity. He loved them to the end. goes on to say this, the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power. Man, what a meal, right? You're at a meal and you know, you know you get your betrayer right there. What do you do? What do you do? You get your betrayer right there. And you not just have people, who are, someone who's going to betray you. You get your friends who said, listen, Jesus will go to the end of the earth and back for you. And they leave you. And you know it's coming. No, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into the basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Wow. From cosmic sovereignty to common towel ministry. Wow. I mean, just wow. How low will Jesus go? How low will he go? How low will he go in service towards others? This is unreal. I want you to notice a couple of things where it says this. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Jesus knew he was in charge. He's in charge in this moment. He's in the seat of power in this moment. Man, you can tell a lot about people by how they treat others that are dependent on them or they have power over them. You can tell a lot about a person. Power, I like what Oren Woodward said. He said, absolute power doesn't corrupt, but rather reveals character. It reveals character. Power gives you the ability to do what is already in you to do. Power is not neither evil nor good, but in our hands, it can become either evil or good. And Jesus knows he's in charge. He knows he's in power. So what does he do with his power that day? He does the dishes. He serves. He serves them. What's his motivation? Love is. In the first 12 chapters of the Gospel of John, love is mentioned six times. In the last six chapters of the Gospel of John, love is mentioned 31 times. What is Jesus doing? Why the shift? Why putting love into fifth gear? Why are you going on and on about love now? I remember when I was 18 and my dad and I were driving in, in our car to the airport. He was about to say goodbye to me for the year as I was going off for studies. And my dad, the whole drive, kept talking to me. It's early in the morning. It's like 6 in the morning trying to get this early flight. 
and he's driving the whole way to the airport and he talks to me the whole way. And what he was doing is downloading essential last information. This is what it means to be a man, Jonathan. This is how you handle things when people handle things this way. This is how you handle yourself, though. Don't, don't fall into their trap. Be, you, and he, it was like a fulsome, I wish I could have downloaded that message and had it available later in life. But it was, he was making sure what was most important was going to be on my mind when I boarded that plane. And Jesus knew when he was going to leave, I want you guys to not lose sight of love. I don't want you to think that you are not loved that that is not one of the most essential things. If you're going to proclaim truth, let it be in love that you proclaim truth. Some of you know our, our logo here at One Church CO. It's like this, this heart. And it's actually kind of two churches on their sides that form this heart, this kind of V, we call it around here or whatever. And the idea is that it's two different places. We have 75 nationalities, five generations. We have a digital campus, shout out to you. We have an in-person campus, shout out to you. (laughs) And we're all in this together. We're one church in Toronto. It's interesting. Theologians liken Jesus' earthly ministry in his life to a V. It's a V-like form to Jesus' uh, walk among us and his ascension to heaven. He, He descends into earth. He descends into earth, born as a baby in a manger, but he goes even further. He plunges into the depth and pierces the ground when he's dead and laid low in the grave. And then he ascends back to the Father in heaven. There's a V. He's in heaven. He humbles himself, comes to earth, humbles himself even more, allows himself to be pushed under the earth, and then he comes up again and he rises to the Father in heaven. And this little story in John chapter 13 has that same V has that same V moment. Jesus is at the height of his popularity. People have just shouted, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. And and he is at the popular, his disciples are all supercharged. It's Passover week. Maybe Jesus will enter into his kingdom and take over Jerusalem and banish the Romans. And Jesus gets up from the table. Here we go. Here's the pronouncement. And he disrobes. And he gets on his knees. A foreshadow of what will happen in a few short hours. But in a few short hours, he won't disrobe himself. His creation will disrobe him. And he will be put on the ground to pick up a cross. At the end of this meal, he rises up, puts his clothing back on, and sits at the table with his disciples. But on that day, he'll be risen up on a crucified cross. There's an act of humiliation in all of this. By getting down onto the ground and and washing the feet of those that were in that room, this would have been a humiliating moment, a humiliating experience, actually. Because in that moment, he's taking the place of the marginalized, the unheard, the unseen, pretty incredible what he's actually doing there. In that moment, it was usually, uh, foot washing was synonymous with slavery. And it would often be the lowest in the economic or in the social uh, scale of life. It would either be a slave or a woman that had to humble themselves and do this necessary thing. You know, I couldn't help but think, and especially through the pandemic, because I I know so many of you, you know, just a, a big shout out to the PSWs and the Roman healthcare workers. 
A lot of you do the humble and necessary work of helping other humans maintain their dignity when they can no longer do it for themselves. Yeah. I admire, I admire you. But it's got to be pretty humbling to have to have someone else wash you. We're proud and independent people. We take care of ourselves. And to come to a point in life where you can no longer do that for yourself is a pretty humbling place to be. Well, Jesus is your PSW. He washed you because you could not clean yourself anymore. He cleanses you because we are incapable of cleaning our record or our life. You cannot do enough good to clean yourself up. Instead, Jesus, Jesus plunges into the filth, the evil, even the brokenness of our culture and society, the mess that we humans have made so that we can make we can be made whole and the world can be made better. Why? Love. Love compels us to... What is that racket? Jerry! Oh, Pastor Jonathan. Jerry, I'm in the middle of something here. Oh, uh, you know what? We're, we're just serving together. You know, I decided to come out and just vacuum. But this is not the right time, man. Either you can I mean, take it back, oh, back, Jerry, I'm sorry, or you can preach. Because right now I'm in the middle of something. I'll preach. I mean... We're talking about serving. Let, let's see. Let me, let me, let me, you well, know, there's luck, this. Good luck with that. There's a secret website, Google, how to preach a Sunday sermon about serving. <laughs> Morning, church. Uh, let's, instead of using Google, let's use uh, what God has said. Let's look at uh, some scripture here. Friends, the Apostle Paul says in Galatians, it is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's, the, that's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. You know, the Apostle Paul is saying to those first century Christians that we are now free. And you might expect him to say, free to live a successful life, or free to go to church, or free to do something amazing in this life. But that's not what Paul is saying here. Instead, he says, don't waste your freedom on yourself. Instead, use your freedom to serve on another. You know, the Christian understanding of love is serve, but the world's understanding is consume. In our world, love is often about what we are getting from someone else. In Christianity, it's always about serving the other person first. Friends, it's as if we were born with a bucket and we're drifting through life, trying to have that bucket filled up. We're trying to be served. But only Jesus can fill that bucket. So when we meet Jesus, that bucket is filled up. And from that point onwards, our goal is to go to other people and help fill their bucket up. Amen? Amen. 
Now, how do you go about doing that? Let's watch this video from a young man in our church. Hi, I'm James, and I'm a greeter at One Church Tio. I grew up in the Philippines. It was mostly my mom who took care of us. My dad was in the U.S. and came to Canada, so he took us to be reunited with him on 2007. When we came here to Canada, we didn't really know anyone, so there were these people that helped us in terms of moving, um, gave us some furniture. I found out they were Christians and they invited us to church. They even arranged rides, making sure that all of us were able to make it. And they did this every single Sunday for months. And it made me feel like it's one big family and I'm just a part of them. I felt accepted even if they didn't really know me. Feeling welcomed, I think that's one of the things that saved me. Before I was a Christian, I used to just love being with my friends. I'll have fun over the weekend with them. For me, that was my life. Like, it was just fun, fun, fun. There was one point where my sister, she actually asked me, like, why are you going out? Um, do, do you not care about the family? For me, I'm like, family, not fun. For me, when I became a Christian, I slowly started to see aspects of me that I know God put in there. God has changed my heart to value the people that God has presented to me, to love my family even more. I just love spending time with them. For me, it's not enough to just be a Sunday goer because I feel like I get so much more when I'm involved. I'm new to this church and I don't know anyone yet, not, not many people. I'm just gonna go and serve, but I don't really know anyone. This is gonna, this is gonna be awkward. But it's the serving that made me know most of the people here. So it's crazy because throughout my life, he's shaping me so that I can just be a better greeter at church. I mean, one of the greatest goals would be everyone at church just knowing each other. That would be amazing. It's like, I feel like I'm blessed more than I bless others because I am now feeling more at home. I think serving the way I do, it's important because the church is there as a team and I'm part of it. I'm part of that initial journey. I may have connected another person to something that they really needed or something that made them grow in their faith. I can be affecting them in their work circle, in their family circle. And that's because I connected them to something that impacted that. It's as simple as me just being used by God. I think that's gonna put a smile in God's face when he hears that. I'm James, I love people. How can God use that? What a great story. Let's give a round of applause for that. You know, James did a few things. He shared his name, he shared his passions and interests, and he asked himself, how can God put that to use? On your way in today, you all received this card. This is the time to take it out. We weren't just distributing random cards to you. This is the card. And let's fill that out together. Take a little bit of your time. It will only take you probably less than a minute to fill this out. Put in your name. Tell us 
the things that you like to do. That could be some of your hobbies. It, things, it could be things that you do at work. And then put a little sentence in there, how you think God can use you. Now, when you head out, actually, for those who are online, you could do the exact same thing right now. Our chat room hosts are going to be putting the link in, the serve link in. So take some time and do that too. For those who are here, head out to the lobby. You probably saw a lot of exciting things happening there. We have booths across the entire lobby with the different teams represented in this church. Head out there, ask some questions, talk to someone about serving. Maybe this is your first opportunity to do that inside of this church. And for those who have been serving here uh, over the last year, we want to say thank you to you. We, we have a thank you gift for you out by the cafe. Oh, Pastor Jonathan's back. Oh, you want to preach again, eh? You want to preach? <laughs> I, I feel like that's all the content you <laughs> that's have. All the content. That's all I got. We have a gift waiting for you out by the cafe. You know, um, my name is Jerry. Uh, I like marketing. I like technology. I like sports. And I know God has used me over the last many years in this church. Maybe today uh, he begins using you and you start filling up someone else's bucket. God bless you, church. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you. So much of what we do and what we do about serving around here is through Jerry and his team. Uh, and I'm so thankful for their leadership in that. You, you know, when it comes to serving, Jesus is our ultimate example, right? And again, this moment when he's washing people's feet and he's cleaning them is a moment that was not just pushing against the social norms and the status of people in the culture and society. You got to understand what he was doing was actually very offensive. It was actually very offensive. He was a revered teacher, a rabbi. He was a place, a man who was honored wherever he went. The Pharisees didn't like him because he got so much honor and respect. He was a healer, a miracle worker. So what he's doing is not just an assault on the social norms. It was offensive in nature. He's elevating people, unseen people. You know, these are one of the things I think we all love about Jesus, but this is the troubling thing about him. Have you ever noticed in Scripture that the people in power were often annoyed with Jesus? They were annoyed with who he ate with. When you ate with someone in that ancient Middle Eastern culture, that means you were affirming them as a person. You were saying, I'm in relationship with this person. I have an intimate connection to this person. So Jesus ate with people that were very unacceptable. People that society had already turned their back on. Even the irreligious had turned their back on. He, he, he ate with outcasts. He ate with uh, people rejected by society, people who were shamed. Have you ever noticed that he, he ate with tax collectors? Now, this would have bothered the liberal elite of Jesus' day because a tax collector was, uh, was uh, in coercion with, the, with Rome. They were a monarchist of the nth degree. They were profiting over their people. They were greedy. They were capitalistic-driven. So any of you were a social justice, liberal-leaning Jew, you really hated the fact that Jesus ate with tax collectors. But if you were traditional and conservative, you hated that he ate with prostitutes. He seemed to be all over the map. He touched lepers. And you didn't touch a leper because you could be contaminated by a leper. And Jesus seemed to live his life as if, no, what he had was actually going to contaminate them and infect them with something even better. 
You know what's most miraculous, I think, especially for our modern age? He ate with Pharisees. In our age, you're tolerant with everyone except people who are intolerant, right? The only unacceptable people in our age is intolerant people. But Jesus tolerates intolerant people. Jesus is more open-minded than any of us in this room. Man, I tell you, some of us, depending on where you lean and how you live your life, some of you have no problem loving this group of people. Maybe they know how to keep the rules. Maybe they, they, a lot of their belief system is very close to yours. But you are very intolerant of these people. Some of us pride ourselves in our tolerance of everyone here, and we're completely intolerant of people that might seem more narrow-minded or closed-minded. And along comes Jesus, and he's open-minded with everybody. And he says, not only do I tolerate everyone, I love everyone. I love everyone. Friends, if something Jesus said or did doesn't trigger you, you're probably not reading Jesus right. If Jesus, you know, we say this a lot around here, if Jesus ends up hating the same people you hate, <laughs> you've made them in your image. Love fuels this. Love fuels this. I said this in week one, last week. I believe God is calling us to be a humble church, a humble people with enough humility to roll up our sleeves and do the dishes. Two, when we become family here, all of a sudden, as family, you participate. When I went off to college, like I said, my dad drove me to the airport, sent me off. I came back that Christmas, and someone was in my room. Dad had given away my room for three years. I didn't know it until I arrived that day, and I said, who's this man in my room? I, his name was Dimitru. He was a Romanian refugee, and he needed a place to stay. So my dad collects people, and, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm sleeping on the couch, for my Christmas break. And there's a little part of me, a little miffed. That's my room, my stuff. And my dad was like, no, no, someone needed it. So we kind of gave it away, Jonathan. You, you know, it's amazing what love will compel you to do. It's amazing how serving others, and I got a firsthand picture of what that looks like, to be in service of others, actually raises you up. Look, look at what this, uh, this was one of the bishops in Syria in about the third century. He said this, He who wraps the heavens in clouds, wrapped around himself a towel. He who pours the water into the rivers, tipped the water into a basin. And he before whom every knee bends in heaven and on earth, knelt to wash the feet of his disciples. And did you catch what Jesus said in John 13? He said this, I've set you an example that you should do as I've done. Follow. You should do as I've done for you. So friends, uh, I want to pray with you because we've got lots of stuff uh, planned at the end of our gathering. If you're online, uh, when Jerry was talking about that serve card, there's a little button in the chat room. If you press that, you can, you can get involved in this also. I just want to say, if you've been someone who's served around this church, make sure you grab that gift we are so thankful for the way you roll up your sleeves and that you move beyond being a part of a crowd 
And when we're part of a crowd, we, we have sometimes rightfully seasons where we do a lot of consuming because we're broken or we're hurting or we're in a difficult spot. And it's hard when you're hurting to give, isn't it? It's hard to be generous when you can see your deficit all the time. But as we get healed up and restored, we kind of like as a family member, Dimitri, all of a sudden when he first arrived at our house, everyone was serving him meals. Everybody was setting up everything for him. After a while, if he's going to be there for three years with us, he's part of the family. All of a sudden, you see Dimitri washing the dishes after the meal. Why? Well, he's in now. He's family. It's not just about what I get out of this. It's what I can give into this. So let's pray. I'd love to pray with those of you who might be wondering, like, I'd like to do something, Jonathan, but I don't want to get locked in for three years <laughs> Or I don't know how God could use what I have. So we're going to pray about that. And then I want to pray with those of you who might want to follow Jesus. He's not for the faint of heart. There's no one that loves you more. There's no one that will love you harder. And there's no one that will love you better. But he'll love you so much he'll call you to, to, to some tough spaces. And those are our opportunities to trust him in those moments. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this digital and in-person gathering moment, Lord. And we know that you are here today. I pray, God, that you'd be speaking to hearts and minds in this moment. And friends, if you're wondering about what could God do, maybe you're at a certain age or stage in your life, and you're like, you know, I, I, my best years are behind me. Says who? Maybe we'll do something different now. Father, we hold before you our life experiences, our skills, our personality, our temperament, our physical energies and strength. And God, we ask you to use it for your glory, God. Would you direct us in areas that we might be able to serve, whether in this church or in our, in our society, just serving and loving the people around us, just like you did, humbling ourselves to serve the people around us, God. And Lord, I, I just pray for those that might be in the room that want to follow you. And if that's you, you'd like to follow Jesus. Maybe this guy I'm talking about today, you're just like, wow, uh, if I knew him, I might, might be okay with church. <laughs> well, friends, he is what the church should be all about. So if you want to journey closer to Jesus, I'll say a simple prayer, and this might be your next step. Jesus, I come to you today not with a trophy in my hand, but a towel. Saying, Jesus, I, I humble myself before you. I need you to wash me clean. Of all the things that I've done that have polluted this world, all the things I've done that have hurt my relationships with others, all the things I've done that have hurt my relationship with you, Jesus, would you wash them away? Clean me up, restore me, fill me with your spirit, God that I could live like you, that I could serve like you. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said together, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. 
We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.